Kif5a is the motor protein which basically transport cargoes in neurons. As we know that in ALS field, 90% patients are sporadic and only 10% are familial. Hello everyone and welcome to Connecting ALS. I am your host, Jeremy Holden. It takes researchers working all over the world to further our understanding of ALS, to develop treatments, and ultimately to find ways to cure the disease. That means recruiting new researchers into the fight. The Milton Safenowitz Postdoctoral Fellowship Program supports young scientists. It is the only program of its kind specifically funding early ALS postdoctoral fellows eagerly searching for effective treatments and a cure. After completing the program, more than 75% of the postdoctoral fellows go on to start their own labs to continue studying ALS and to mentor other young ALS researchers. That makes the Safenowitz program a key to developing the pipeline of ALS researchers who year in and year out reinvigorate the field and help push the quest for new treatments and cures for ALS forward. I recently sat down with one of the Milton Safenowitz postdoctoral fellows, Dr. Devesh Plant, a postdoctoral fellow from Emory University, to learn more about his research. Dr. Pant, thanks so much for being with us this week on Connecting ALS. Yeah, thank you so much, Jeremy. And it's my pleasure to actually talk about my research that I have been currently doing in the lab. And I'll be happy to answer any questions that you may have. Well, great. I do want to get into your research in a recent paper that was published. But before we do that, uh, I want to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself to listeners and, and tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you found your way into ALS research. Sure. Yeah. So I am Devesh Pant and I did my undergraduate and postgraduate degree in India. And I was basically trained working with Drosophila model, basically testing the effect of Indian medicinal plants on the survival of different uh, neurodegenerative disease model using fly. And that's how actually I got a glimpse of neuroscience field in general. And I always actually wanted to work very closely with a lab which have direct access to patient materials. So for that, I actually joined for my PhD in Barcelona in Dr. Aroda Pujol's lab in Edible. And the lab basically focused on a different neurodegenerative disease, which is called ALD. It's basically adrenoleukodystrophy. And my project was basically to identify new candidate genes which could be responsible for uh, leukodystrophy. So for that, we built an international consortium with the help of different leukodystrophy centers. And we actually discovered a new gene, DEGS1 which is responsible for a childhood neurological development disorder. And as a result, we also did some drug screening using zebrafish model. And there is currently a clinical trial ongoing in collaboration with Mayo Clinic in US, and it has some encouraging results. So then actually, I wanted to uh, explore further and increase my skills. So I joined Amri University uh, during the time of pandemic. And it was a bit hard to actually get into US and uh, apply for postdoctoral interviews. So I sought a mentor and a lab where actually I could contribute my background knowledge on neurodegenerative diseases. And I found Dr. Ji Jiang lab at Emory, who was like starting up uh, building his own ALS lab. And uh, as soon as I joined the lab in 2020, I was interested to lead a project 
on K5A, which was like discovered in 2018 by different groups in Europe and US. And uh, with the help of the team in the lab, and also I was fortunate to find some good collaborators, we actually identify a partial mechanism, I would say, for the K5A. And it's like developing and gain of toxicity that we actually identified for the K5A is something helping us to develop some therapeutic interventions. So today I will be very much happy to talk about this project and also we have like two projects funded by ALS Association and I'll be mainly talking about the K5A today. So this is how where I am now actually at Amri and we have close tie-up with Amri ALS Center which is led by Dr. Jonathan Glass and we have direct access to patient material. So this is something I always wanted in an environment where I have clinical access and also the bench work. So I'm grateful to be here and uh, grateful for the association for funding my research and providing the opportunity. You mentioned the support from the ALS Association that coming through the uh, Milton Safenowitz Postdoctoral Fellowship Program, easy for me to say. Dr. Pant, you mentioned uh, your work kind of around or on KIF-5A. We've talked about that a little bit on the show, but it's been some time and I am not an expert in neuroscience and neurogenetics. Can you talk to us a little bit about what KIF-5A is and what we know about its association with ALS? Yeah, it's a good point. So actually, KIF-5A is basically, in layman terms, it's a motor protein, which basically transport cargoes in neurons from the center of the neurons to the periphery. And it's a very important gene. The reason it's important because the whole kinesin field, which basically work on basic biology, they focus more on the motor domain of the protein. And when uh, the KIF-5A mutations were identified, in the KIF-5A gene, which has basically three domains and terminal, which is basically responsible for the walking of the motor protein on a path, which is basically microtubules. And there is a C-terminal domain, which is called the tail domain of the protein. And where is the hotspot for the KIF-5A ALS mutations? And as we know that in ALS field, 90% patients are sporadic and only 10% are familial. So this kind of gene, I think after C9ORF sentinel discovery and also the SORD, KIF-5A is one of the very important gene because it has an important role in axonal transport. And we know that in ALS patient, the axonal transport is impaired. So it actually gives us a target and it links directly to the ALS. So when you don't know what target to actually hit in ALS patients, KIF-5A bring its closer, like narrowing down to move for a therapeutic angle. Now you have a gene which is actually mutated in ALS patients and has an important role in axonal transport, which is known to be impaired both in familial and sporadic ALS patients. So before like uh, 2018, there was actually no direct link of KIF-5A with ALS. But soon after the discovery of these mutations in 2018, there are many groups which are trying to identify the disease mechanism associated with K5A. And we actually kind of found the gain of toxicity of K5A mechanism. And the reason the K5A was kind of neglected also because the people who work on motor proteins, basically biophysics people, they only focus on the N-terminal domain of the protein. And the reason is there are mutations in N-terminal domains, which causes a different disease. And it's called spastic paraplegia, HSP or SPG. 
and the mutation in C terminal domain causes ALS. So it's kind of very unique gene and it tells its importance in two different neurological disorders. And they, it's, it actually created a wide spectrum for the KIF5A ALS uh, gene to be studied on. And uh, that's how uh, it's a very important gene, I would say, for the field to focus on for building therapeutics and also for the patients who are also now identified in India, China and Japan. There are many more like uh, ALS screening, uh, NGS going on in the ALS patients and they have identified same KIF5A splice sites mutations which actually lead to formation of new protein. So the original studies uh, which actually identify the KIF5A, they actually talk about loss of function, meaning that motor protein will not do its normal function. But what we actually identified, it has a gain of function, meaning it is doing a new function. So in a normal scenario, you can imagine a car going on a highway and then you have a traffic signal and the car will stop. That's how motor protein normally works. So in case of ALS, KIF5A protein, it is continuously like walking without stopping. So as a result, it is doing extra function, depleting the energy. And as a result, it's kind of aggregating. So you can imagine a car walking at a normal speed and without stopping, it will go to a place where it will actually hit something and it will kind of stop. So this is what actually we identified in our cellular and in vivo model systems. And now we are actually chasing some downstream molecular mechanism, how actually we can target those active kinesins and actually we can bring them to their normal function. So this will be very useful. And also it will be good to test in another model systems where people have showed that impaired axonal transport can lead to a neurodegenerative disease. So I feel it's a very important gene for the ALS field. And uh, after we published, there are like two other groups who have supported this work. And uh, they are from Japan and one is from US. And it seems that have, they have obtained similar results. So it's also very competitive and also exciting and challenging to lead a project which has so much things to actually work on. Yeah. And now, so Dr. Pant, this is the paper that was uh, recently the cover of the EMBO reports, yes? Yes. So I was going to ask about that. You did a thorough job explaining what you found there. You talked about kind of looking downstream, and that leads me to my next question, which is where does the research go from here? Given what you know, given what you found, and we can direct people to, to that article, what's next? Yeah. So again, it's a good question. So now as we know that uh, this protein is not functioning like normally, like how it should do as a wild type form, so we are trying to actually develop new model systems, basically higher model system like uh, zebrafish or mouse model. And because we are now limited with our in vitro and the fly model. So to have more clinical relevance, it's always good to uh, have a preclinical model with our preliminary data. So we are actually trying to chase how we can basically stop this kinesin moving and without stopping using small molecules, which actually are kind of very useful for working with kinesin field. And there are reports where people had worked with other kinesin genes like KIF-1A or KIF-5C and where they have tried to 
modulate the motor protein activity by designing some specific molecules. So this part of the project is like in developing. We are going to a large scale in vivo models where we actually are trying to mimic the patient's phenotype. And also uh, not to uh, forget to mention one important point that we have seen those aggregates also in patients' motor neurons. So we actually were fortunate to get patient zero uh, motor neurons from Germany, which was actually the first patient to be positive for the KIF5A ALS mutations. And we have seen that if we keep those cultures very long, the patient motor neurons, we could see the KIF5A aggregates in those patients. So it's a very important validation of in vitro and the fly experiments. And now we are trying to uh, explore this uh, area using patient-derived motor neurons and the in vivo models to target those aggregates and to find a molecular mechanism or a pathway which could actually streamline because so far we just know that they continuously walk they don't stop but to bring a better deal for the patients who are actually affected by 5 mutations we actually want to see if we could do some kind of rescue using our drug targeted those kif 5 ALS patients so this will be a very long project which will actually required a lot of multidisciplinary collaboration. So we have a biophysics lab led by Dr. Ernie Jenrich and Albert Einstein, who is expert in kinesin proteins, basically measuring the kinetics of kinesin. And then we have patient resource from India, Germany, and also from NIH. So we are collecting all the K5A patient material that we can have so that we can actually test our therapeutic validations in those samples. So I think down the road in next two or three years, we will have more interesting data for the ALS community. And this will be very useful for the field and also for the patients who are affected by this uh, kinesin mutations and other diseases. A long process, but it's important to look at the wins along the way and, and every new piece of data that we learn and how it informs the next steps all along the way. Dr. Penn, you mentioned uh, other projects. Um, what are some of the other uh, research projects that you're working on these days? Yeah, so I'm also leading another project, which is actually a new gene, SPTLC1, which was actually identified in uh, 2021 by two NIH groups. And it's basically a juvenile ALS disease-causing gene. And so far, I mean, juvenile ALS, first of all, is very rare. But there are now patients which are getting actually affected by the mutations, SPTLC1. And it's very hard for the children who are affected by these mutations and also the families who are continuously looking to find an alternative solutions for their uh, children. So, and this gene is actually something... Uh, very important for the lipid metabolism uh, pathway. And it's a first gene which is actually required for the sphingolipid synthesis. So sphingolipids is another class of special lipids which are required in development of important lipids in central nervous system. So in my PhD, I worked in a different gene in similar pathway, which was DGS1 and which actually causes the children uh, child neurodevelopmental disorder and it basically results in accumulating of some toxic lipids so sptlc1 als mutations are kind of similar but 
different from the toxic lipid species which are formed in those patients. So this project is just in a very beginning phase in the lab and we are trying to develop different model systems so that where we can actually first mimic. So our every first goal is to recapitulate the patient phenotype by using tools or developing some new tools and then how we can actually use different drugs to target those toxic lipids and actually provide some better therapeutic hope for those patients and the families. So this project, I would say, is in very beginning and uh, we have just started it. There were some hard times in finding the patient material because of uh, COVID and this is very new genes. So we don't have a lot of patients to actually test this. So we are kind of building our own new tools and to mimic the patient's uh, lipid toxicities that we have seen in two different studies which were reported last year in Nature Medicine and in JAMA. And uh, this something will be coming up in next three to four years, I would say. Yeah. It's an exciting time in ALS research. We've heard from so many folks and, uh, and interesting to hear about some of the work that you've been leading. Uh, before I let you go back to that important work, Dr. Pant, any uh, closing thoughts for us? Yeah, so I'm actually uh, very grateful for the ALS Association for funding our two projects in the lab and especially for a young lab which has just joined the ALS field. Of course, my mentor had experience with Dr. Don Cleveland and uh, we also work very closely with uh, ALS Center led by Dr. Jonathan Glass and we have also support from our department chair, Dr. Gary Bessel Lab, who is an expert in exonal transport. So we have built up a strong team and with the help of funds from the ALS Association, we are trying to give our best by developing new tools also for the ALS community and finding new therapeutic hopes for those patients. And I would actually like to thank my mentors, both past and present, for providing me a platform and giving me the independence to initiate new collaboration and develop new tools which will be benefit for the society. Dr. Pan, thanks for those thoughts and thanks for sharing updates on your research with us today. Yeah, thank you so much, Jeremy, for your time. Thank you. I want to thank my guest this week, Dr. Devesh Pant. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. And while you're at it, rate and review Connecting ALS wherever you listen to podcasts. It is a great way for us to connect with more listeners. Our production partner for the series is Citizen Racecar. Post-production by Alex Brower. Production management by Gabriela Montekin. Supervised by David Hoffman. That's going to do it for this week. Thanks for tuning in. We'll connect with you again soon.